Hey, good morning. Happy Tuesday. It's Bruce, Judy, and Cheese. A lot of things going on. We're going to try to touch on, on, on as many of them as we possibly can. Things going on in and around Chicago, your neighborhood. Uh, but, but one of the things that, that popped off yesterday, it, it's something that, that it was a big story for a while. Then we kind of, you know, kind of disappeared for a little bit and now it's back. But Father Flager, the embattled, I mean, how would you describe controversial? Oh yes, controversial. That's an, is that an understatement? Yeah. Would you call Father uh, yeah. Flager? Uh, and believe me, he probably enjoys that term. He would not take yes. offense to nope, controversial not at all. in the slightest. He wants to be controversial. Uh, he was uh, uh, reinstated, and the allegations of sexual misconduct against him were found to be without fact. So, uh, if you remember correctly, it started off with there were there was one allegation, then the brother yeah. of the original person came forward and made a similar claim. Allegations of sexual abuse. Sexual back abuse. Seventies. Wait, wait, but serious, and they're adult, adult men at this point. Mm-hmm. Then a third person came forward. We spoke to his attorney. Is that who whose attorney we yeah, spoke Eugene to? Yeah, Eugene Hollander. We spoke to the attorney for the third man, who also, during the interview we had with him, alluded to the fact that police had possibly a fourth person who would come forward. None of these, apparently, after the investigation, have risen to the level of anything coming of them. Yeah. And, and Father Flager is back to his, his job. The Chicago Archdiocese says it found insufficient reason to suspect that he's guilty of those allegations. I mean, it's not like it's a criminal police probe. It's an archdiocese investigation. You and and so for people who maybe aren't as versed in the saga of Father Flager, the way you explained it to me, Judy, was Father Flager is uh, controversial. We've identified. And was this, there are, there are members of the diocese who wouldn't have a problem with him going away. Is that a nice way to put yes, it? Yes, absolutely. So for them to do an investigation and find nothing wrong, should I take that as it was adversarial? That, that, you know, these, there were people conducting this, this who weren't just trying to paper it over. Well, put it this way. In my view, um, I take every investigation done by the Catholic Church these days with a grain of salt. Fair enough. Fair. There have been way too many cases that we know of where it's just been botched. They haven't investigated. They've investigated and moved the priests around. They, they from, look to just cover it up. Yeah, it's yeah. It's I mean, it's, it's been horrible. So um, I do, you know, Supich is our our mm-hmm. cardinal here. I do have a lot of respect for him. And yes, the fact is, Flager has been a thorn in their in the side of the Chicago Archdiocese for some time. So the fact that they found nothing, you know, I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna hope that here in Chicago at least. They did a thorough investigation. They didn't hide anything, or you know, it's I tough. don't see why. And I it's have to tough sh- these days to 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 hide anything uh, yeah. of that of that yeah. level and that nature. We've all seen Spotlight, right? Yeah. So yeah, great, great point. Yeah, and also don't forget that in in many cases, um, 
they they'll investigate uh, a priest will be removed from the parish they'll right. investigate they'll find is insufficient reason but not many times but sometimes the priest will not come back that happened at my parish oh really so he was found you know it was all they were it was discredited was he was an older um man and they just never brought him back i, I it was so odd so and that- it was a, it was a yeah, it was an opening for them to bring a new priest and a younger priest maybe for a parish. So that's kind of where I'm going with this. I, I, I don't remember where the term first came from, so I apologize. Where does Father Flager go to get his reputation back? Did this stain him? Father Flager's reputation is the Catholic Church. I mean, we... But you understand such a- my point that there are people out there that believe these allegations... And it's all they are, allegations. And somebody makes an allegation against you, and it it comes out that, what was the terminology again, that they, they, they used um, insufficient reason to suspect he is guilty of sexual abuse. Okay? So he's still kind of painted with that brush. But the argument is, where do you go to remove that stain? If, if it's not true whatsoever. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, well, people still- Saint Saint Sabinas has staunchly supported, and that's his parish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never, I've not seen one. Have you, Nick? One like you know, a protest, march, anything against? They no, have they're, been they're in full behind him. him. Yeah, so as far as his reputation, I don't think he cares as much. It's it's his parish supports him inside his parish. He's got support, and if Absolutely. people believe he did this, the archdiocese has given it, him the clear. Right. So yeah, but there's I, been plenty of people that have been found innocent of charges, and you still think of them as I, being a criminal or whatever. You I know? just don't think a a priest looks at it the same way as we do. Really? He's already said, "I pray for the the accusers." So, and and I brought this up before um, when when Flager first um, was removed. We had a cardinal here, our beloved Cardinal Bernadine. He was here forever. We he was the best cardinal. I mean, just revered in the city. He was accused. How do we grade cardinals? But that's another argument. But keep going. They do. They. You know what? <laughs> I'll tell you how they are. Cards. They have What's their the stats. Yeah. <laughs> They're just, there's no taint, right? right? He was just beloved. Anyway, he was accused. It was, oh, my gosh. It was the biggest story ever. It was huge. Well, eventually they found that the guy recanted. Okay. accused him. He, and the Cardinal, like Flager, immediately was like, I, I'm praying for him. Right. Obviously, he's a, he's a troubled individual. They became friends. Forgive him. And, he was, and, I yeah. think he was at this, this guy's deathbed. He, he eventually, I think, died of AIDS. Wow. He, Cardinal Bernardine was at his, I mean, that. True forgiveness. Hello, that's why he's a great Cardinal, mm-hmm. for one. So, I mean, it, and this does happen. And and I don't think Cardinal Bernardine was really ever tainted by that. Okay, okay, I but that's him. my point. You see right. what I'm saying? That, that uh, Flager, there is no evidence, I guess you would say, other than allegations. But, you know, anybody can make an allegation at any time about you. The allegation is not proof of guilt. Correct. Right. However, it's it it could be it could later become. I mean, as we've seen in the Catholic Church saga, and that's the it's, problem. It right? starts with an allegation. It's not like the church comes out and says, "Oh, very rarely we have found yeah. a yeah we found a, a yeah. priest." It's so We're turning ourselves yeah. in. Yeah, the, and I think that's where the the rub is is that there is a history in the church, as you alluded to, Judy, and I agree with. Of looking the other way, minimizing, deflecting, hiding, hiding. hiding. And so anytime one of these comes forward, 
I think a lot of people jump to the conclusion. They get to the end and say, there well, there's so many cases. There's smoke, That's there why. must be fire right. because of all these other ones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and maybe, and maybe this is along the lines. So maybe Father Flager is, I'll use the term, uniquely insulated because he is so controversial. Because he was outspoke, is outspoken, because he has been a bit of a lightning rod in the past, that this is just another piece of the story that is Flager, the mosaic, Mm -hmm. if you will, that it doesn't become his unique story. Right. But it has for other people. I mean, we can't deny that. There there are other, I mean, not just inside the clergy either, you know, outside of, of, of the, uh, uh, of the clergy who, have been accused of crimes, later found innocent. People recanted their stories, but you still they're still painted with that brush. Yeah. Well, and the accuser's attorney, uh, just to do the other side as well, says that they, they were just absolutely floored. Kind of compelling. Does it? Well. And this was at a different parish, not St. Sabina's. Of course, and it was in Glenview. 40, almost 40 years ago. Right. So. Look at the wording from the archdiocese. Insufficient evidence. Insufficient reason to suspect. You're just down to he said she said uh, he said yeah. he said right i mean uh, yeah. w- barring no you're done that actually evidence. no that's actually insufficient is just they had some they obviously told well, they their story not, they, they didn't believe they, it well or they didn't have enough they didn't you know but okay what evidence would you have You've, there would be no physical you don't right, say, there's like, no yeah. physical evidence the you're DNA, dealing with 40 year old memories right right um it's and it's interesting i just watched this um this Netflix, The Keepers, which goes into this, a case in Baltimore. And it's the same thing where these women came out 40, 50 years later. And you're wondering, why didn't you? It's this mindset. You, yeah. They don't. And I get it. I grew up in the Catholic Church and going to Catholic school. You just, it's almost like being in a cult. You right. just it's can't bring you yourself do. to mm-hmm. do it. And then 40 years later, 50 years later, it's, you know, you forget things. You Things are rusty or you can't recall, whatever. So I don't know that insufficient evidence is it's but it's good enough. It's, you know, they did their their research and and, you know, Flager has been a thorn in their side. So it would have been an easy, an easy um, time to get rid of him. And they didn't. Hey, good morning. Happy Tuesday, Bruce, Judy and Cheese. And um, I I will tell you that that uh, this is. Just coming in as the outsider, learning more about Chicago, it does strike me as interesting, the debates, the arguments, the back and forth, the um, the factions, when it comes to any civilian oversight over the police department. It's never easy. Okay, I'll acknowledge that. But it seems to be even more complicated in Chicago. Why would it be less complicated, right? Even more so because um, after some back and forth, after maybe some missteps, after some um, uh, leaks, if you will, Mayor Lightfoot has finally come out with, with her plan for civilian oversight of Chicago police. And it kind of went over 
like a lead balloon. Is that a fair way to put it? No, well, yeah. I don't know anybody that was excited. <laughs> I couldn't find one person who goes, finally! Like, nobody. Right. And this was the, you know, she campaigned on this issue. Right. This so, is this is a yeah. cornerstone of what she's about. So um, it does not include the sweeping policymaking, budgeting, and hiring and firing policies that she, you know, campaigned on. That's the first problem. Okay. Right and off the bat. Maybe the biggest problem. Right. Yeah. So she retains control of hiring and firing the superintendent, which was a big deal. Um you know, that people assumed, since she said it, she campaigned on it, that she would give that power to the seven-member commission. Okay. How, how many how many different commissions are there? Yeah, well, here, yeah. Am, okay. am I, because am I, I, when you say oversight, I think of COPA. The, good, mm-hmm. all the acronyms. What is, Civilian Office of Police Accountability. That's the one that releases like the videos and mm-hmm. and the reports when there's a pl- officer involved shooting. Yeah, that's COPA. They're not the end all be all though. No, I I don't even know. There are several different. Right, boards. but that's okay. That's yeah. my point. I was there's like, how many different civilian oversight right. committees, boards, commissions, groups? Right. Well, you can Cubs understand. Packs, because, do you need yeah. to oversee oversee the police? And you can understand with all the problems we've encountered over the years. This this civilian oversight. It sounds great, right? Civilian oversight on paper, but a check again, and a balance right, uh, is right. how I see it. I, I, you know, this here's how I look at this. How about if we get a really good mayor who's able to do the job, which, is, you know, I don't know that I have a problem with the mayor of a city being in charge of the police force. If that's, that's if that's well, the expectation. And I think, isn't and, that and, standard? Does, is, am I wrong some, about that? In I, some cities. No, it's different. It's every mayor per city charters and whatnot. Are di- okay, I'll give you an example. The city of Phoenix, where I, I used mm-hmm. to live. There's a city manager. The city manager does the hiring, <laughs> hiring of people like the police. But that's still the administration. That's not the mayor. Yeah, but it's right below the mayor, right? It's still, still the some administration. Some people argue the city manager is more Just, powerful right. than the mayor. You know yeah. what? I in think some that, cities, I think that's true. Where, yeah. where, like in New York City, I believe no, which is the interesting thing. Well, who appoints him? The the mayor. Okay. But then they're kind of in, so there's a hierarchy, mm-hmm. I guess you'd say. But like a city like New York. You you have like the mayor as the chief executive. You know what I'm saying mm-hmm. is at the top of the pyramid. Yeah. It changes city to city, but it just strikes me that if you just have nothing but it's like dueling banjos, competing civilian oversight, competing civilian boards, you don't get to. Why can't you just have one? By the way, mm-hmm. well, how how hard is that? I think there's three. Well, because it, yeah, it hasn't worked here. We've, we've, there's too many problems. So well, you say it doesn't work, of, and then, and then Lightfoot well, the says, board, at the end the board, of the day, I'm still going to run it. Right. Well, the board that <laughs> yeah. should be doing the job wasn't doing its job. So then they have to have another board to oversee that board. And then, well, that board can't be trusted to have all the power. So let's get another board <laughs> to oversee that board. And that's what I'm saying. In the meantime, let's it's go back to, isn't let's it? go back to square one, where if the mayor's going to be in charge, then be in charge. Then you make sure that COPA, that one board does its job and hold them accountable. So someone has a little power here. Someone has a little power there. Someone has, and you know, but it strikes me that this latest proposal coming from Lightfoot, Mayor Lightfoot, 
is she's not that interested in giving up the power that she has, contrary to what she may ran on as mayor, contrary to uh, um, her background in, in believing in some sort of civilian oversight. Is this the absolute power corrupts absolutely? Is this huh. the once you got a taste of being mayor, you're like, well, hold on a second. I like I'm it. not going to give this yeah. away. To some yahoos sitting uh, around a, a conference table down at the Days Inn? No way! Not going to do it. Well, she, you know, it comes down... I, I mean, I'll tell you, she does say public safety is one of the most critical responsibilities of any mayor. Me and anyone who will come after. I mean, so she's taking... She's saying this is where the buck stops. I am... You know, I have to wear it right. here with the, all this violence. So in that respect, like I said, personally... I I don't have a problem with the mayor of a big city being in charge of the or at least having oversight. Um, I think that the, there's the problem you run into is and obviously there's a divide. I don't think it's 50 uh, 50. You know, I think there's plenty of people that maybe don't have an opinion or so stuck in the middle of how much input, uh, power, influence should civilians have over a police force, a police right. chief, policies, etc. Et and and I can understand there's a, a push and a pull on that. I, I liken it to if you go up the chain, you know, the president oversees the military branch. A civilian, you know, makes the final decision for the military. The military doesn't make the final decision for the military. The Pentagon yeah. doesn't get to choose what wars it starts. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like Along those lines, I know that may not be the greatest analogy, but in a certain sense, there should be some sort of Absolutely. push check and pull and, and back and, and forth. Has to, oh, yes. And why, you know, yeah, why, let's just say Copa. Why doesn't Copa just do it? Why isn't that? Why not? And it is civilian. It's both. It I mean, it's, I don't know why we need another one. Um right. But apparently we do because there have been too many cases here. Where maybe Copa hasn't done the job. Where oh, we haven't seen a video for a we year. We don't like this civilian oversight board, so we're going to start another civilian oversight. But well, that's what keep it an sounds eye on like. That one, yeah, that's and what they, it sounds like. And the like. board will be the one to uh, vet the the candidates, the superintendents, and recommend them. But then the ultimate power oh, will lie recommend. With them yeah. yeah, we're going to write a. We're going to write a sternly you know, worded email yeah. if he's keeps up. No, it's up. one of these. Here are, no here are our three candidates. And the mayor will go, here's, here's uh, my so candidate much. over here. I'm hiring my better. brother. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's no power uh, to any of these. And I think for people who are looking for any sort of reform or change when it comes to a police department, this this falls flat, right? I mean, this just flat doesn't get to the the level they were looking for and again i think the especially those reform voters are saying if Lori lightfoot can't do it or won't do it who could who, who's gonna right? do it yeah what reformer reform-minded candidate is speaking of criminals still time for our criminal of the day a big shout out to uh, lee bowman of sioux city iowa who got all hot and bothered about the length of the grass in his front yard <laughs> allegedly <laughs> bowman asked his neighbors to mow his lawn on saturday when Sunday rolled around and they hadn't trimmed the grass, Mr. Bowman went next door to have speaks with them. An argument ensued, and Bowman was seen Bowman was seen on video trying to peel the registration sticker off his neighbor's car. <laughs> That'll teach him, right? Not satisfied with that, Bowman was then seen piling kindling wood next to the house and started a fire in an attempt to burn the neighbor's house down. Again, all on video. Bowman admitted to, quote, 
making a mistake, unquote, and was charged with arson in the first degree and criminal mischief. There is no word on the condition of his lawn, though. Mm, right. Pretty long, I bet. So for taking lawn care a bit too seriously, <laughs> you, Lee Bowman, are the Bruce St. James Show criminal of the day. All suspects described above should be considered innocent until found guilty in a court of law, no matter how crazy they <laughs> are. Taking a look at the big three stories people are talking about, and cheese will start us off. Yeah, sad news in Hammond, Indiana, yesterday, as the uh, body of Kyron Carter, the 12-year-old boy that was missing last week that was found in the uh, Little Calumet River, sadly. Judy Pilak? Villa Park police fatally shoot a 25-year-old woman they say had a pellet gun that she would not drop. Bruce? Wow. Today marks the one-year anniversary since George Floyd's death. There'll be memorials, marches, events. But what's really changed? Mm -hmm. Hmm? We can talk about that later, all right? Um, So uh, last week, uh, uh, Judy and I... uh, we had a, a special here on WLS about marijuana. Highs and lows, the business of marijuana. Yeah. Uh, it's available on our, our podcast uh, service. You can, you can check it out if you want to learn about kind of a variety of different aspects of marijuana. The, the, the special was comprised of interviews with doctors, community activists, politicians, and a dispensary owners. And I specifically remember talking to one of the dispensary owners, and the the topic of Delta Eight came up. What I what I don't know about marijuana <laughs> is a lot. Okay, yeah. so Delta Eight was new to me, and it is starting to get bigger on the radar, if you will. Will to help us understand a little more of it is ABC News's Jim Ryan. And Jim, I guess we should start with, at least for the listeners not up to speed, a bit of a definition of what is Delta 8. Well, it's essentially marijuana like. That's how a lot of folks in and outside of the marijuana industry are looking at this stuff. Uh, Delta 8 is slightly different from the Delta 9 THC that is found in standard marijuana. This stuff is derived from the hemp plant, Bruce. Uh, which makes it completely legal oh. under the 2018 Farm Bill. It's kind of a, a loophole that ended up in that bill, which now uh, people in the, the uh, uh, CBD business, the smoke shop industry, even some coffee shops are capitalizing on uh, by purchasing this stuff and selling it to the public as sort of a, a marijuana light. Wow. And I guess the problem would be no regulation, right? I mean, you have to you know jump through so many hoops to get a marijuana license, at least in yep. this state, in most states, but not with this Delta 8? Exactly right. And, and that's why I think the CBD industry around the country, including in Illinois, is uh, starkly opposed to this stuff being legal. But uh, for now, at least it is. But uh, Delta 8, it, it, it's kind of a, a weakened version, or it's, it's not quite as strong as the Delta 9 stuff. So the solution, of course, for people is to buy more, consume more of the stuff for the same effect. Uh, that's what's being done. And you're right. It's it, as an unregulated kind of substance. You don't know exactly what's in it. You don't know how pure it is, how strong it is. Uh, the, really, the only thing you know is that it uh, is contained in, in gummies or in a smokable or in uh, tinctures, Judy. Wow. Uh, so, so J- Jim, are we are we expecting legislation? Will this loophole be closed? I mean, I, I got to imagine there's 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 work afoot. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. On state levels, you're finding that in Michigan and in New York State, both of those places have 
have put their foot down and said, no, we're not going to allow the uh, the legal sale of this stuff. But it, it's, it's not a matter of making the thing legal around the country. It's a matter of states taking up and the deciding to make it illegal, Bruce, because it is it's, uh, under the 2018 Farm Bill right. completely legal to extract uh, THC, this Delta-8, from hemp. Wow. I'm surprised this hasn't come up before then. Why now? I know. Just be, because well, we're all it, we're all into it, marijuana all of a sudden? <laughs> well, apparently. I mean, state after state, about half of them now have some level of uh, legal marijuana, either medicinal, recreational, or both. And uh, I think that in the places that uh, it's not legal, here in Texas, for example, I don't think Texas is anywhere close to making uh, marijuana legal on a recreational basis, but you'll find this, this Delta 8 in almost every smoke shop on the corner. Wow. Again, it seems like a pretty big loophole for Delta 8 or marijuana light. I like marijuana light. That makes more sense to me. Right, you know, yeah. At least I can kind of understand that. It's got a third less calories than your yeah. regular uh, marijuana. Or whatever. <laughs> and it can go right in your coffee, apparently. Yeah. But, yeah. but this like kind it. of, Jim, this goes down the path of as marijuana becomes legal in more states recreationally as well as medicinally as it becomes more acceptable it's kind of working its way into a lot of aspects of our lives right i mean it's 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 like it's like a weed growing pardon the pun right uh, creating a buzz out there isn't it ah, um, nice hey! one. <laughs> but no, you're right, and, and I think that you're only hearing about it now, and, and but it's going to be, I think, growing either in popularity or in disdain among people out there. Uh, the, the, cannab- the Cannabis Business Association of Illinois is pushing to completely prohibit the sale of this stuff outside of a, a controlled environment. You can see why that would be. Mm-hmm. There's a competition. You don't want the competition. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a money thing. On the other hand, in Illinois, I think a lot of the people who are involved with this Delta 8, you know, the minorities who should have gotten licenses and didn't because of the, the process has been so crazy here. So there is that part of it where these are the people who are like, hey, we were left out of the, you know, the big business. We were in the discussions, but then when it came down to it, we didn't get the licenses. So now we're going to sell this instead. Right, exactly. And and for as long as we can, at least, until uh, the states decide to step in and prohibit the, the sale of Delta A, that I think you're right. They're going to stay on that bandwagon as long as they can, uh, make as much money as they can and as much profit uh, before that happens. Because I suspect that, uh, like New York and Michigan, other states, perhaps even Illinois, will decide not to allow the sale of the stuff. I'm going to have to really get a new coffee shop. <laughs> I've, been, I've been going to the right place. Wrong places. <laughs> hey, Jim, thank you for your time today. We appreciate it. Thanks, Bruce. He's ABC News' Jim Ryan on this new product, this, this, this offshoot, if you will, of marijuana derived from the hemp side of it. Delta 9 is the marijuana version yeah. delta 8 is the hemp version and it is it'll it'll still give you the the buzz the high effect it's just not as as strong and so you can see how like there's all these things like they i don't even think we've thought of yet you know as this continues to kind of work its way into the mainstream marijuana that is or marijuana products I, I just don't even think we could have possibly imagined right. like and, well what about that and once you get into the coffee i feel like Everyone's going to be high. We're all the well, whole country. Is it caffeine a drug? Yeah.
I'm addicted to it, so you yeah. Don't, you are. Yeah. I will tell you why. Yeah. If I don't have a Red Bull in the morning, I, I get a headache. Okay, yeah. if they put this Delta 8 in Red Bull, now Ooh, it's all over. Oh, hello. <laughs> no, now you just gave yeah. an idea. <laughs> now you just, there's your million dollar idea, yeah. right? There you go. Delta 8 energy drink. Oh, Ooh, my way. I'm there we go. There we go. Right. It's gonna ha- you, I, watch. It'll happen. Of course it will. Right? Hey, good morning. It's Bruce, it's Judy, it's Cheese, and uh, I have been spending more and more time going out and about and eating, mm. trying to visit every restaurant in Chicago, and weigh 400 pounds <laughs> by the time going? this is done. Right? I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what. Have um, you gotten down the, your street yet? I've done everything on my street. Yeah, I'm just kind of going like block by block. Right, that's you how know, you I'm just kind of it. expanding, if you will, in more ways than one. <laughs> and uh, one thing I noticed is there is one truism there's one thing that's consistent mask policy varies by every there are no two alike <laughs> i swear to god i just I, I mentioned that i went to the billy goat it says masks kind of required but i saw people walk in without masks nobody said anything i'm like okay so i had mine on but then i took it off when i got my my, my drink okay yeah. so that's kind of standard i went to a restaurant Sunday, I was told to keep my mask on at the table until the food arrived. And I went to one a couple weeks ago where they said anytime a waiter or a waitress comes to your table, put your mask back on until they leave. And I'm like, well, what if I'm in the middle of eating and they come up and like, can I get you more? And I'm like, I got to grab my mask. Like, I don't know. You know, it's so funny about that. That has been the rule in Chicago forever. Since day one, you were supposed to put your mask on when they came back to your table. Yeah, but I didn't ask them to come to my table. Okay, do you want your food? But, but they- my point is, like, people come in, they're like, hey, can I get you this, or can I refill this, or is everything okay? Oh, everything, yeah. And I'm supposed I'm to grab it. the mask every time somebody walks by my no, table? Not if that's you, not Once happening. you start eating, you're good. But if before no, you get your food... this one yeah. said, in, when, you're, when they come to your table, and I was like... Okay, well then stop coming to the table. <laughs> I say it nicely. I'm what good. They, they meant when they come to give deliver your food, and I mean the rule. You know, everyone understands that when you're when you eat, you can take the mask off. But I, you know who I Stephanie, um, our boss, she has it down pat. She's like the the. I thought I was bad. She's really the mask rule person, and that's how I went out to breakfast with her and realized that she wore her mask the whole time. We weren't eating, even though we were talking. We were at the table. But we had our masks off. When people came up, if she had her mask off, she put it on. So Chicago only. In the suburbs, yeah, you don't have to worry about that. So one of the problems is that restaurants and bars are supposed to post some sort of signage at the front door. But there isn't a ton of direction about what to do with the newly vaccinated, the recently vaccinated, the fully vaccinated, whatever it might be. And how does that affect a variety of things. So we're starting to see some businesses take it upon themselves to address this in some way, shape, or form. I, I've never eaten, what is it called again? Alina? Alinea. 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 Yeah. Do I need to go to Alinea? It's yeah. uh, a little pricey. Okay. But, uh, so I'll take the I've boss. I've heard it's amazing. I'll take the boss and you make him You could probably pay. get yeah. a oh, reservation now. Yeah. Because in the past, you wouldn't have been able to get yeah. a reservation. So. Yeah, Marv will take you. So Alinea... Their workers, staff, waiters, hosts, chefs, whatever, who are fully vaccinated, don't have to wear masks. They will wear, they, oh, 
they have the option of wearing a lapel pin that shows that they've been vaccinated. So let me follow this through. Is that on the honor system as well? Yeah, do they just hey, sell Bob these the, Bob pins the busser, that, yeah. have you been vaccinated? Yeah, boss. Hello. Here's your pin. You don't have to wear your mask at work anymore? I'm, it doesn't bother me. Don't get me wrong. I still just don't understand how it works. Because if you can't force someone to get the vaccination, can you force them to tell you? And if you force them to tell you, can they lie? Just they don't have to wear their mask at work. Yeah. Right? So you will find, at least at Alinea, workers with a, I don't even know what the lapel pin looks like. What should, should be a V. Big V. It should be a V for vaccinated. Yeah. Judy's already taught us that. A V, bedazzled, preferably. Oh, of course. I mean, it's got to have some bling to it. <laughs> um, so you would know that your server is vaccinated. Would that make you feel more comfortable at a restaurant? But again, what's yeah, the verification I, quite process? Frankly, I think I think all the servers should be vaccinated. I, I don't care as much about the patrons, mm-hmm. but I would like my servers. What about the cooks in the back? Yeah, everyone. Everyone who say, works yeah. at the restaurant, to me, should be vaccinated. I'm surprised that they're, because, and believe me, not just me, I think people will look at that or hear about that. If they hear that a restaurant's saying, yeah, we're not going to force our workers to get vaccinated, uh-huh, but uh-huh. if they they have to wear a mask and they see some people wearing a mask and some people not wearing a mask, it just you know it sends a mix. But how am I supposed to know? Right. So well, so believe we do- me, if I see someone wearing a mask, yeah. they might even be vaccinated, but still choose. But in sure. my head, I'm going to say, oh, you're not vaccinated. Not that Ooh, I care as much. You're I'm a judgment. Yes, because they've that's what they've done by by not having just an across the board mandate mm-hmm. to me is just you know either do it or don't do it so, and the reason why we're so confused is because it's all over the it's place literally all over the map they can do whatever they want now so let's go all over the map to lincoln park and ella's barbecue i'm going to mm. assume slightly more affordable than alenia alina alinea Al- whatever it's called they have a masks optional policy for workers and customers who are fully vaccinated, again, it's on the honor yeah. system written on the front door. If you've been vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask into our restaurant. I am not a, I'm a fan of the honor system, but only because I know it doesn't work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, great. It's up to you. And we already know people who don't want to wear masks violently are going to be the least vaccinated as a percentage of, of, of anyone. So you've really just kind of set it up in the opposite. Now, I don't want you to, if you don't want to wear a mask and you don't want to get vaccinated, please don't. I'm not, who who am I to tell you? Yeah, knock yourself out. I also am not going to be donating to your GoFundMe. (laughs) I'm just going to tell you, I'm not going to be donating for your funeral. I'm just not. That's a decision you made. Okay, I'm cool with it. Well, and the thing is with restaurants, they have been so affected by this pandemic, right? Mm -hmm, They have mm -hmm. been so devastated in many cases. Uniquely. I am surprised they're not being tough on this. I'm just, it surprises me that they would. I think they'd rather do business. And I think they're also struggling to hire people. Okay, but if you have a worker who hasn't been vaccinated, you run the risk, possibly, of that worker spreading the virus. 
Is that what you want after all this time and now you're open and now you've got a case of COVID? I wonder if the argument is it's almost impossible to prove that anymore. Like, where did you get it? Where did it start? That 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 might not be something. Hey, good morning, Bruce, Judy, and Cheese with you. And today, that's right, today, what are we, May 25th is the one-year anniversary of the death of George Floyd, caught on... uh, Video, famous now. We've even had a child a trial. We've had a conviction of uh, of Officer Chauvin in this. Um, but we're looking back on kind of the last year. What has changed? Maybe for the better or for the worse. Joining us right now is Alderman Ray Lopez, and Alderman Lopez never one short of opinions, and that's why I do like you, Alderman. But uh, uh, where do you think we are? One year removed, maybe that's a, bit, a good way to start it. What do you think is has improved, and, and or what do you think has gotten worse? Well, I think, first off, good morning to good morning. you and your listeners. Um, I think in some ways we've seen an increased awareness and in where some of our uh, needs for change and uh, how we deal, how the police deal with communities have been exposed um, and what some of the possible concerns and fears are of officers as, as they're engaging in certain communities that need to be addressed. I think that is a positive because anytime you're able to help make any department, including the police department, better, that is a plus. Uh, but at the same time, I think in the years since, we've seen uh, a real uh, fear among law enforcement uh, to do their job out of fear of offending or doing it wrong. And that has caused a lot of uh, issues in our communities, as well as a complete um, increase in the amount of individuals trying to be hypersensitive and accuse police of more wrongdoings, even just the random routine implementation of their job. Not so you you're saying like a year in it's there has been some change but it's not been good change for for law enforcement i don't think i don't think there has been been clear change for law enforcement i think there's an expectation that politicians and the public and a lot of the activists have um but i don't think they've been able to articulate or formulate that well and we see that even now as the mayor uh, i i heard uh before the break yeah we're talking about the new uh Police accountability. I was going to ask uh, you about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, what we need to do in light of everything that's gone on, even before George Floyd, is to re-legitimize our police in the eyes of the community. Because right now, anytime the police do anything, there seems to be a giant question mark associated with it. Yeah. Are they doing it right? Is it because I'm a minority? Is it because I'm a... You know, there's all kinds of questions that didn't exist because... The community, the people no longer view law enforcement as legitimate. And I think what has been truly missed in this year since is the opportunity to create the foundations to restore the legitimacy of law enforcement so police officers can leave in the morning, do their job, and know that they're not going to be questioned simply because there's that cloud hanging over them because of the uniform they wear. Now, we're talking to Alderman Ray Lopez, uh, and, and Alderman Lopez... You know, you you can look at your your own ward and you can your own experiences. Uh, how does that relationship begin to mend between police and the community that they serve? We can't deny the tension is there. It exists. It's real on both sides. 
where does that start and what have you seen anything that's working well you know what i've seen in my community is that just yesterday we had a, a uh, first responders appreciation breakfast at one of my schools where police and the fire department have always been partners in helping uh, with the students at the Horizon Academy, Horizon Southwest Academy. Building those interpersonal relationships at the local level, I think, is the first step towards healing. You know, right now we see, you know, both sides talking at each other as opposed to with each other. And we need to get people back in the room in a non-confrontational setting where officers come into the schools. You know, when I first was elected, we had police officers do a, a dodgeball tournament with my school so that kids could see them not as always the the disciplinarian or authoritarian figure, but as just someone that they could relate to. In a different light. To get yeah. Back. Yeah. Correct. And we need to get that going throughout our city because too often it's only they're only interacting with individuals in one way, when, when trouble happens, when 911 is called. And we can do better because once you start breaking down people away from just labels and actually as, you know, fellow Chicagoans, then you're not as quick to make snap judgments based on very limited information or some video that you've seen replayed on loop yeah. on social media. Yeah, and Alderman Lopez, of course, you are the elected official. I mean, what has the city council taken up this year? I mean, any significant legislation in light of the, the, you know, the year anniversary? You know, you look at how much the city council speaks about some, many of the issues that we've seen. Even like take the Anjanette Young case, for example. That happened several months ago, and we're still not able to come to some sort of consensus on how to address the execution of warrants. And that was locally. Now, you look at what we're doing in, time, in terms of police accountability and other things, we're still struggling to get movement. This city council has become crippled by its own inertia, fueled by the mayor who wants nothing to go forward unless it has her stamp on it. And the only ones that truly suffer are the people of the city of Chicago. We need to start having some movement, particularly on ensuring that law enforcement can do its job with some amount of respect for themselves as well as for the community. Otherwise, we're going to have these lingering questions floating around everybody for the next several years and we cannot cannot continue down this path we're talking to uh, alderman ray lopez and, and we touched on it real briefly and i did just uh, wanted to maybe clarify where do you come down on mayor lightfoot's new proposal of a am i to understand it an additional civilian review board i honestly have lost track of how many there are of the police department at this point what's your initial response to her uh, uh suggestions and proposal well, I'd like to commend her on recreating the police board. Um, clearly, she doesn't know or remember um, where she used to be president of. Um, but, I mean, that is no different than the board that she used to serve under Rahm Emanuel. Mm -hmm. That is not oversight. You know, people want civilian oversight. I think that much is clear. And I think being able to create a body that actually helps, again, restore the legitimacy so that when something does go wrong, people are not questioning whether or not it's a political cover-up or if the mayor's involvement uh, is somehow stem stemming the uh, uh, findings. What she produced does not answer those questions. What she produced only reinvents the wheel, again, adding more, un more layers to police accountability than uh, la layers on an onion. 
and does not answer the call the people have. And I think it is a huge misstep, another blown opportunity by this mayor who ran on one thing and has governed under another. And I'm thankful that, you know, the the Black Caucus, the Latino Caucus, uh, Progressive Caucuses, um, all of which I'm not a member of, but are all supportive of something stronger. And I look okay. forward to working with them to make something stronger. Thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it, Alderman Lopez. You and enjoy your day. Enjoy the warm weather. That we will. Hey, good morning. That's like you're in eighth grade gym again. I was going to say, right? I think of roller skating. I don't know why. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. I'm going to a wedding this weekend. I think where I'm going to have to do the dance. You have to I'm going to request it. And uh, it. Yeah, you, yeah. If a wedding DJ doesn't have the hustle, it's fire. Yep, you're out. Gone. You're out. You can't do it. So many of you uh, uh, might have already started returning to the office Maybe full-time, maybe a couple days a week. Maybe there's a date on a calendar. Your company has said, hey, we're reopening. Hey, everybody back. And some people will continue to work from home in some way, shape, or form. Um, will your boss look at you differently if you don't come to work every day? If you choose to work remotely, even if it's given as an option, Will it still paint you in a certain light? It's an interesting question. Joining us right now is Sean McGinnis. He's a hiring expert. And, Sean, i got to believe that's just one of the many questions bosses are going to be asking. And maybe workers will be asking as well uh, as we return to what a semblancy of old normal it looks like here in, over this summer. But I think that's an interesting question. Will your boss look at you differently? What are we, what are we getting a sense of with that, Sean? Yeah, Bruce, good morning. And uh, to your listeners, you know, you've hit the nail on the head there. You know, there's the old Chinese proverb that says, may we live in interesting times. <laughs> and I think for both the boss and the employee, employee, it's changed. There is no question that the world is different. The stresses, the requirements that, you know, we've all been under during COVID have put a put a really different spin on things. And I think the biggest challenge that bosses are going to have is, you know, maintaining and, and, and having the capability to continue to manage this remote workforce. I don't think we're going back to normal. I think that obviously in any kind of work area where proximity, physical proximity is a key like medical care and on-site, you know, customer interaction or hospitality, hotels, leisure and travel, those will come back, but the productivity gains in remote work um, have offset, I think, organizations' understanding and realization that having a percentage of the workforce have the flexibility to work at home is actually a good thing. So, you know, it's nuanced and there's lots here to unpack. So will bosses, that will they, will they look at those employees the same? Will they say, well, I mean, they're at home Maybe they're running out and doing errands sometimes. Maybe they're watching TV. But in the long run, they are getting the job done. Yes. You know, they are getting the job done. And there's always the trust factor that comes in. And, you know, that's a tricky one. You know, if you are a good boss and you're connected to your people and you know what their capabilities are and you know what their circumstances are, and you utilize some of the latest technology, time tracking, for example, is a great way mm -hmm. Not to monitor and be big brother, but to help your, your, your employees do the right things at the right time during that period of time that you're paying them for. But that does require an intentional management style and an awareness of what, you know, both the requirements are as well as, you know, what the nuances are of how to manage different types of people. 
you know, we're talking to Sean McGinnis. He's a hiring expert about workers returning to the workplace. It strikes me that it may be harder than ever before to create or maintain a a culture in a workplace if 10%, 30%, 50% of your workers aren't actually there you know that 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 concept we've had of like a, the work environment or uh you know the the, the cheerleader boss whatever it might be you know this is yeah. a great place to work well it yeah. might change if that's only done through zoom calls yeah you know i don't think we're going to go back i don't think we'll ever go to 100 percent. and there are key roles that require in person you know we have a strategy at lumini the company that i'm uh, the chairman of that really defines the types of both communication channels, whether it's meeting, whether it's Slack, whether it's Zoom. There are certain elements of work that require face-to-face. If you're dealing with sensitive issues, if you're brainstorming, if you're you know, truly looking at, at moving the needle on a big project, that does require that face-to-face interaction. But when we look at the work day and we look at the work week, not all of the time is spent in brainstorming or dealing with sensitive issues or solving major problems. So the, the ability to actually break your work down into these types of areas um, is, is going to be even more important. And then staying in touch, you know, the psychological distress that we've all gone under has a major impact on, you know, people's ability to be productive. So I go back to bosses really need to understand what the most important channels of communication are, how to stay in touch with their people, how to maintain that culture, which Bruce, Bruce, you've hit the nail on the head again, culture eats strategy for breakfast every day. And if you don't have people who respond well to you, who believe in your leadership style, who you know um, align to a greater purpose than just the paycheck, then culture suffers, the business suffers, you know, and it's a, um, you know, it's a it's a cycle of spiral down to the bottom. And I almost feel like people who work at home, it's it's more of a perception, right? That they're yeah, they don't work yeah. as hard. They're lazier. And because yeah. believe me, I've worked in an office with people who didn't really work. I mean, they were there <laughs> and they didn't yeah, do the job. Exactly. So it's just a perception. <laughs> it is. It is to a large degree a perception. You know, I ran a business where 87 percent of our workforce globally was working remotely. And they worked incredibly effectively. And, you know, we had systems in place. We had meetings. We had cadences. We had structures. Without the cadence and the structure, and then without the trust factor, um, you know, that perception is going to be alive. Now, you know, we all know the reality. There are those that just punch the clock. um, And every single one of us work with people or have worked with people that like, you know, that, that, that do that, that mail it in. And that's the responsibility of the leadership within an organization to create a culture where that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that's, there's no such thing as perfection, but, you know, it, it's very, very important to look at all these things in context. Thank you so much for your time today. We sincerely appreciate it. That's Sean McGinnis, a hiring expert about uh, really, I, I think the culture thing strikes me as a big part of this and, and the perception. Do you, I mean... I mean, look but at Cheese. He looks really busy all the time, but what is he really no, doing? But, but look I, busy. Wink, wink. Yeah, got that down, Pat. I mean, all of us have worked mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in an office or a factory or manufa- whatever, uh, you know, uh, whatever your place of work might be. If you're physically not there, if you don't have the FaceTime with the boss, 
if you aren't uh, uh, collaborating with your other employees, are you really a team player? Are you really on board? Are you really 100% behind this? You know, the types yeah. of phraseology you hear a lot of times. I can see where there's going to be this, 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 this thing. And if you choose to work from home, there's going to be some things, negatives that come along with that. And some of it might be your coworkers and your boss might look at you very differently yeah. as yeah. an employee. You, you know, you might not care. And yeah. maybe yeah. that's a trade off that you're I willing to take. I think those people, yeah, the, uh, the ones who yeah. are going to stay home are the ones who have the tougher skin and say, I don't care. Happy Tuesday. We jump into our 7 o'clock hour, taking a look at the big stories that people are talking about. And she kicks us off. On this date, 40 years ago, the nation's worst aviation accident, not related to terrorism, happened just outside O'Hare Airport. American Flight 191 crashed uh, just after takeoff, killing 271 people. Wow. I remember that that picture. Remember that famous uh, picture. Good night. Still the worst accident. Well, one year ago... Well, we're at the anniversary of the death of George Floyd, obviously caught on video, the trial, the 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 civil unrest that it caused. How much has really changed, though, in a year? Cheese, what do you got? Well, some sad news in Hammond as the body of 12-year-old Kyron Carter was found in the Little Calumet River, sadly. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it seems like there's just so much horrible news out Tragedy, there it might be right? the reason why a lot of people are already starting to look forward to maybe a vacation memorial day uh coming up a yeah. long weekend summertime um, vaccinations uh, lowering of some of the rules make a lot of people say hey now's the time we we've put off doing anything <laughs> for a year right Let's uh, load up the wagon family truckster and head out to wally world right nice. so a lot of folks are are, are thinking that but I'm just going to tell you, if you haven't already started looking, I have what can only be described as some bad news for you. Everything is more expensive. So I fly a lot. I mean a lot. There are no more cheap airfares. Yeah. I'm just going to tell you that yeah. right now. I, I can remember flying February and March of this year, but not that long ago. And I could fly to Phoenix or Los Angeles. $150 round trip. Maybe, yeah. You know, maybe maybe 200 bucks round trip, you know, if I really had to. Yeah. Oh, don't, don't. What is it now? Oh, uh, we're, we're getting in the th- mid to high threes, $400 for a round trip. Wow. And flights are packed. It's so, I had, listen, I'm a fan of the free market. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I, I, I'm, I'm a capitalist to my core. The planes are packed. Yeah. Why can they charge you $400 for a flight that was $150 a few months ago? Because they can. And, and if you don't like it, get out of the way. There's another guy willing to pay. Yeah, and back then, the flights were empty. They were empty. There's like three other right. people on the flight. Exactly. And so, those basic fares that a lot of people like, like me, they're now putting back all those restrictions on them. So yeah. it doesn't even matter. You may as well just get the regular fare. Yeah. And so you're 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 seeing, at least when it comes to airfare, so then you're saying, okay, we'll drive. You're seeing the price of gas, right? Mm-hmm. Price of gas. Maybe you say, hey, we don't have a car big enough to pack the whole family in, so we're going to rent a car. Oh, for the love of God, rent yeah. a car? Have you lost your minds? Might as well rent a U-Haul. Well, you might as well. Here's the thing. I, so I, I use, like, the apps for everything. This is not an exaggeration, because I've never seen it happen before. It was new to me. Mm-hmm. I went on the Hertz app, not trying to pick on Hertz uniquely. I think it happened with a lot of them. And I typed in the dates. It was a weekend 
in Phoenix a couple months ago, a month and a half ago. Nothing special going on. There was no Super Bowl in town, yeah, golf tournament, yeah. spring trick, nothing. Heard, type it in, doo-doo, picking up on Friday, returning on Sunday. We have no cars available in Phoenix. I'm sorry. You have no cars available in the ah. city of Phoenix? I wasn't going Butte, Montana. You know, I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. No cars. We have no cars. Rental car companies during the pandemic when nobody was traveling and nobody was renting cars, they sold their cars. They sold them. Wow. And so now they don't have with, any cars when you need idea, one at the rental car company. With the idea that when the pandemic was over and people started traveling again, well, they just go buy more cars. <laughs> you can't buy new cars wah, wah. because there's a chip shortage and they're not making the new cars. And so, you know, so there are no cars to rent. It's, it's not your imagination. And if you do find them, I mean, I, 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 I'm not a, I'm proud to say it. I mean, I've spent more on some rental cars than I was like, OK, I bought one. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I should have <laughs> bought one and sold it after the weekend. And I think I'd have been better off. Well, and, you know, sense. a lot of Chicagoans like to go on, you know, short road trips here to sure. Wisconsin, Michigan, Indiana. There are all these nice resorts. Um, so I went to book a hotel, hotel at a resort right across the border there in Wisconsin um, in July. And I thought, well, it's July. I'm, I'm this is I'm, lots of leadway here. I should get a great deal. Yeah, right. You're ahead of the game. right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Not only was this resort, which is extremely popular with people. It was, it was, uh, I hardly had any days to choose from. I was choosing from weekdays, not yeah, even yeah, weekends. Yeah. Weekends are out of the question. Double what I, I've gone yeah. to this resort every year. Yeah. Double mm-hmm. what I normally pay. So, uh, I'm double. Just, I, I'm not trying to discourage you from taking a vacation. I'm just saying you're going to pay for it. And again, it's just, this is Econ 101, supply and demand. Yeah. Everybody's pent up. Everybody wants to go, so everything's filling up, so the price of everything goes up. It's Mm -hmm. pretty simple how that works, if you haven't figured it out. So maybe what you need to do is win a contest. How about United's? United is giving away free trips if you upload your proof of vaccination card. Yes. You could win free trips for a year. They define that as 26 round-trip flights. I've already taken 26 round-trip flights this year, and it's only in May. <laughs> like, you know, you know, I, I are on the that, same though. page. Yeah. But, okay. So are they, incur- are they encouraging people to get vaccinated, or are they rewarding people that already did? See, I like this contest Both. because it's not, hey... Come if get you get your vaccination, then we'll give you this. No, this is for people that have already You've been already vaccinated. Done it. Because we did our job, we yeah. got vaccinated months ago. And we're not getting any bennies. No, they're handing out. Yeah. Now. I like you. Yeah, yeah, that's a great. I, I actually signed up for the. Uh, for you the signed flight. up for I it? did last yeah. night, and I'm going to upload. We already. I didn't think of that. I'm going to do I wasn't, that too. No. Yeah, I am I'm now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Proud member. I still got my proud member for a good twelve hours now. Well, I mean, but. Listen, with the with the price of airline that you yeah. can, yeah, I'm gonna tell you this. When you talk about worth its weight in gold, you might yeah. you might not be exaggerating. It's either this or I'm staying home this summer. But yeah, I mean, I, again, I think a lot of people are are. What do we have? There was a term we had a guest on Re- revenge buying. Yeah, was that what it was? Did revenge I get the term? spending. Revenge spending. You yeah. know, this kind of I'm going to go out and 
listen, there's a lot more money in the economy, contrary to popular belief, whether it's stimulus checks or uh, people that, that put off buying things over the last year. Even some of the things you normally would have spent money on, you've got that money sitting around and people are looking to go out and do something. Even if it. they really can't afford it, they're doing it. They're willing to it's sacrifice time. for yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. They've been pent up. Put it on it's the credit time. card, right? Yep. All right. Well, and again, you can go to the uh, United app or the website and upload your proof of vaccination. You could give uh, a year of free travel, plus uh, other people will just win round trip tickets on nice. United. Yeah, right. that's nice too. Shout I'll out take to one. That. I wonder if so. So we had that story earlier about the, the restaurant I, that I can't pronounce. Alinea. That one. Uh, where they have uh, uh, staff will have the designated if they're vaccinated by a lapel pin. A big V. What? Why aren't airlines doing that? The, they have lapel pins of the different languages they speak. Have you ever seen that? Oh, really? Yeah. If they have like a Spanish flag I mean, on the How many Mexican, more like, pins yeah. can they put on their lapel? Where is that? Maybe <laughs> they'd be the problem. Like you're walk down the aisle, you know, walk with a limp because I got too many lapel pins on I mean, on the it. pilots forget it. They'll have to start yeah. putting it on their pants. Hey, good morning. Happy Tuesday. It's Bruce, Judy, and Cheese. You know, a lot of people talk about and uh, have a, certainly a soft spot for for veterans, those of who have served our country. Uh, so thankful for their for their service. Yeah. But you know, a lot of them come back, and it may not be so easy. Uh, uh, they may they may struggle in a variety of different ways. We're going to talk to a gentleman right now who's 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 part of a group that's doing some some good for the vets. Jeff Barrett is with Fox Valley Habitat for Humanity. Uh, first off, good morning to you, Jeff. Good morning. Joy and honor to be with you. Yeah, awesome having you here. And, 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 and first off, I start with saying thank you for the work that you've been doing uh, and your organization is doing for veterans. But let's talk about Operation Home America. That's something specific where uh, I want to encourage people to get involved with. Tell us about it first, please. Operation Home America is a community that's going to be in Yorkville, Illinois. It is a 50-acre piece of property. It's completely wooded around it, and uh, it's going to be 116 homes for veterans, single-family oh, wow. homes. So, and and it's it's about and if if you're familiar with Habitat for Humanity, Habitat for Humanity is is about giving a hand up, not a handout. So this is for working veterans, uh, but. There's 728,000 veterans in the state of Illinois. 34% of them make 30 to 80% of area median income. Now, let me translate that into dollars. That means they are making anywhere from $20,000 to $60,000 less than the average family. Wow. How do they... Make ends meet. <laughs> make, make ends meet, yeah. right? And so then they're trying to rent places, and, and sure. you know, rental places right now are just skyrocketing. Through the roof. <laughs> and so what do they do? So we can bring them in and we can offer them home ownership, which is going to give them stability and security and equity and self-reliance, because that's what veterans are all about. They've been that all their lives. Sure. And so we want to give them that opportunity to come back to a country that they have served, and many overseas, many domestically, but they have served their country and they're not forgotten because you know it's Memorial Day weekend for crying out loud. People, they're not forgotten, yeah. but they fall in the cracks. Yeah, 
and we're trying to prevent that veteran from getting into that homeless or their family from getting into that homeless situation and get them to situation. So just to translate into dollars real quick, um, our homeowners will be paying probably half of what they would pay in rent. Uh, and so they'll get a mortgage. They will, and they'll pay real estate taxes and insurance just like everyone else. But the way we do it is they only pay 30% of their income towards that full that for all of those things, right? So that means whatever their income is, it's only 30%. That is what we are doing for them. So you can consider rent rate $1,500 right now. The average uh, homeowner in this village, veteran village, is going to be paying somewhere around $800 a month. So that's going to cost a lot of money, right? You're going to need a lot of money to do that. We're going to need a lot of money to do that. Uh, it's a big piece of property. Right now, our, the uh, time is, is the essence on buying the property itself. Uh, it's a, the property itself is $1.2 million. We have broad community support from individuals and uh, we have corporations, but it's, it's the timing that is the issue here. We were only given like a three-month window uh, to buy this property, and without the property, um, we can't, we're not really able to move forward. Sure. Here's the exciting thing about the property. Uh, it's $1.2 million, and that's great for any 50-acre piece of land, but this one already has the roads, the cul-de-sacs, really? the sewer, the water, the underground utilities, the detention ponds. It's already in there. Oh, that's it's huge. Yeah, it's been there. It's been sitting empty for about twelve years. But oh, so it was. It was like gonna. It was gonna be a housing development, and one of these ones that kind of fell through for whatever. So it has the infrastructure. It just doesn't have houses in it. Right. Oh wow. Okay. See, Uh, that's what makes it so. So you lose. That's really attractive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we had to buy a piece of fifty-acre piece of land, it would cost us the same amount of money, and then you had to put five, six million dollars worth of. Right. Work into the infrastructure. You know, that's what makes this doable. It's also what makes it affordable for our veterans. Well, there is a, a, a time crunch on this, Jeff, and we want uh, you to be able to explain to all the listeners how they can support uh, a Fox Valley Habitat for Humanity and specifically this Operation Home America. What can they do? Where can they go? How can they help? Well, then call me directly at 630-294-8575, or then go to our website, foxvalleyhabitat.org, and uh, they can get information. Operation Home America is like the second thing on the site, and they can go there. But ultimately, it's going to refer to me anyway. Yeah. So calling me about this is great. We have... I'm talking to businesses and corporations every day, but it's a time frame that's the issue. We sure. need some some people out there who we've hopefully touched their hearts today, and they can call and say, you know what, I can I can be a big part of making this happen for you, yeah. to get this land, to moving this project forward, because once we have the land, it becomes a reality for everyone else, and the the money will flow in for the project. And when do you hope to break ground it, once you get once you get the land? Well, once we get the land, there is some cleanup of the infrastructure work we have to do. So we would hope, I mean, if the money comes in right, we would hope that next year at this time we'll be building our first house. Nice. Do, do you need volunteers as well? I know a big part of Habitat for Humanity is people uh, getting involved, maybe if they have a specific trade or, or even if they don't, that they can help out. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because we always need volunteers just for because we build houses in in our area anyway. But um, that's in addition to this project. But uh, for this project, this is a project that's going to be built for veterans 
by veterans. Wow. Oh, nice. And so, and, and we're going to have professional help, too, because obviously there's trades that have to be involved in doing sure. it. But, but so the veterans are going to be putting sweat equity into building their own houses and their neighbors' houses. And here's the thing. I mentioned, I remember I mentioned the mortgage part of it. The money they pay on their mortgage is going to build, help build the next homes. Understand? Mm. So mm. They're, they're, in a way, they're giving back right away to their own costs. Wow. It's outstanding, and 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 again, I, I want to encourage more and more people to become in, involved in that. Again, the the website is help me with that Fox, again. Foxvalleyhabitat.org. Got it. Jeff, thank you for your time today, and appreciate well, the work you. you're doing for the vets in the community as well. Thank you very much. Remember Memorial Day. Thank a veteran. There you go. Fox Valley Habitat for Humanity Executive Director Jeff Barrett on how you can get involved in that. What a great organization. A great organization Mm -hmm. and a a tremendous idea, but there is a bit of a time crunch on that. Please uh, get involved if if you can and do so right away, especially as we're coming up on Memorial Day and and celebrating and thinking about all of those, those veterans. Good morning, Bruce, Judy, and Cheese. And I'm going to have to go really into the way, way back machine for me. Really? 10, 11, 12 years old is the last time I had sit-down family dinners. Like that it happened. Like, did you have that dinner at the same time every day? Yep. Like, you know, mom would Growing scream, up? you know. Yeah. Five o'clock. Time to come home! You know, and all the maggots in the neighborhood would have to run home and you ride your bike back and you'd have dinner. and Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, most people, yeah. You see most people. I, I, that, that was it was a long time ago for me yeah. that, that we had that kind of, of schedule, yeah. I guess you would say. You don't have that now, do you? Um, well, our schedule's kind of weird. What You have dinner yeah, at 2 yeah. in the afternoon? I know, right? What, what well, that, yeah, since I started here, I, I moved dinner <laughs> up. It's sad. So now I make dinner, and then I'm like, it's just four? on the stove. Yeah, if I do dinner, yeah. I do dinner on 4 or 5. Right. Right? Yeah, okay. But that's aside from the oddness of uh, of ours. The people that do studies, ask kids, 6 to 16, all right? Those kids. Oh, man. Get off my lawn, by the way, (laughs) while you're at it. What they think of mealtime, what they think of dinner, and kids, which also, by the way, I apparently identify with even more than normal, (laughs) have some ideas on what dinner should look like. First off, what should dinner be? Top menu items. Anyone? 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 Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be hard to figure out. Yeah. Pizza, hamburgers, and the nugget, the chicken nuggets. I would put them in order. I would do, if I had to order them, I would do chicken nuggets, pizza, burger. Would be my order. I'd do pizza... Burgers and then nuggets. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would do none of those. <laughs> pizza, pizza and burgers are like, those are special dinners. Right? It's a staple. Yeah. Don't you remember that that triangle, the food triangle? Is it like pizza, pizza. at the top of it, chicken nuggets? Yeah. Like that's the food triangle. <laughs> wow. Wow. All right. Man. That is... You are American Gothic, to say the least. Is it a homemade roll, Nick? Of course it is. We were grinding the flour out back. What do you mean? Um, How about this? When you ask the kids again, 
mom is by far the better cook. Duh. And kids actually prefer mom's meal choices, which I think is a a little odd because I would have thought dad would have won that because dad would have been the lazy one going, all right, screw it, let's go to the McDonald's. Yeah, right. You know what? Even kids at some level understand good food. Yeah. So Mm. what about the dinner? What about sitting down? What are the rules for eating at the dinner table? And by the way, I'll bet that came back in full force this past year. Good point. Yeah. Some people may ha- maybe had to relearn them. Right. Are phones allowed at the dinner table? N- absolutely not. <laughs> oh, that bugs me. They try to hide it. Even my 20-something-year-old. Oh, yeah. So you have a no phone at the dinner oh, table no room. Phone. I mean, they can bring it, but I'll say... You can bring it. Yeah, bring it, but I'll bring it. I'll be bringing it better. Yeah. What? I'm like, well, get rid of the phone. I sat at the dinner table last night. Okay. And my son walked son. up, sat down, got it, put his phone, balanced it on his plate. Got it. Was watching a video <laughs> as he ate. As he ate. Never yeah. looked up. And I you. asked, hey, I'm talking to him, hey, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just one word answers. And have you whole ever dinner. thought about and 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 she's grabbing the phone it, and throwing it out? No, 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 no. Far be it for me to tell you how to parrot your child. Have you ever thought of sending him to Camp Nick? Ooh, <laughs> man. It strikes me that it might be like one of these scared straight programs. Yes. Where, where if he tried that at Nick's dinner table. I think table, he would only need a weekend, too. Yeah. Just a weekend. Yeah. Hey, Ty, you're going, to, you're going to Uncle Nick's for the weekend. He might come back a different kid. I'm just throwing it out there. Because I cannot imagine uh, 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 Nick allowing that at, at any yeah. dinner table. Well, he's taller than me, so I have a hard time. How long... How long should dinner last? Till everyone's plate is clean. Oh, is it? You have do you have to clean your plate before you can leave? Mm, usually, yeah. Do you put things okay. <laughs> do you put things on the plate that they don't want and that they have to finish before they leave? Or are they get a choice? Well when they were little, yeah. They I mean the green I, beans you, were you on tried. the plate whether yeah, you wanted you them tried. or not. Yeah. And yeah, that was a rule. Because I used to have that um um showdown. With mom. <laughs> You're not leaving until you've eaten the carrots. I'm not eating the carrots. Well, then you're not getting up from the dinner table. Midnight. I can stay here all day, mom. <laughs> Eventually, I, could, I have to go to school. Yeah. We're going to see who wins this battle. I can do this all I day. I can do this all day. But I'm not <laughs> eating carrots if it's the last thing I do. See, I wouldn't... I would only... I would be. I was the enforcer, enforcer who won the battles, because I wouldn't say you're going to sit there all day. Because they would. I yeah. would say you don't want to eat those carrots. Well, then you're not going to your sleepover next Friday. Don't. Stuff like that. Ah. And then make them eat half because you're not going to. You know, you, you, you win the battles. It's not. It's not about the battles. It's about the winning. Okay. I don't uh, really care about the carrots. Kids say dinner should last about a half hour, thirty minutes max. That's yeah. how much we're going to schedule time for it. We'll get it in. Get yeah, it out. I'm going to say an hour. I mean, it could last a half hour, but you you don't want to rush it. It's the only time you might talk to your kids all day. They Jeez. also, though, yeah, <laughs> they also want the TV on during it. <laughs> oh, of course. So I remember, God, I'm trying to remember. We used, okay. Who has so a we TV used, in their kitchen? Okay, Hello? so we had one. And we would watch TV as a family eating dinner. Does that sound weird to you? We... 
Yeah, only on for us. No, no, only no, on Fridays. We, were, we had like a breakfast bar yeah. in our what kitchen. You know, you sat around it, and there was a TV at the end. Because here's what I remember: I remember watching shows like at whatever time we were eating. You would watch like reruns of the Bob Newhart show or MASH. Yeah. Like that's how I learned a lot of those shows because that was mom, dad, my little maggot brother and I sitting there eating dinner and that was playing at the no, end of the No, we never got to watch TV during dinner. Really? Ever. We had a kitchen and the TV was in the living room, which was way the front room. None of us wanted to talk way to up each there. other. I think that's part yeah, of it. Right? Yeah. Is it isn't the TV or the oh, phone gives excuse? Believe me, we talking. didn't. It was very uncomfortable. My parents weren't talking to each other, so that was uncomfortable. Oh, really? oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you would have loved having oh, a TV. Just any let's do something to break please. the silence. Yeah, oh, someone really? break a window. Really? Yeah, but we had to sit down every single day and eat dinner. It with uncomfortable, uncomfortable mom yeah. and dad. So really? I made sure I didn't do that. When with my kids, it was it was always it was a fun time. I mean, okay. we tried to make dinner fun. That's where we talked and did silly things and ate. Your rules for dinner. Mm-hmm. All right, couple anniversaries going on today. If you think about it, uh, Judy, you mentioned earlier, and I I had remembered the anniversary of the American Airlines. Yeah, flight uh, American flight one ninety one crashing here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. How, how many years was that? Forty. <laughs> I, I remember that day. It's so weird. Yeah. 42 years ago. Oh, is it 42? Yeah. And today is the one-year anniversary of the death of George Floyd. One year ago. I don't think we saw the video immediately. came out a few days later, but this is the anniversary, and then that video started to circulate. The video led to unrest. We had, what do you want to call it, full-blown riots, uh, looting here in Chicago. Not the only city, don't get me wrong. Uh, obviously, Minneapolis, uh, you, you saw issues, um, some peaceful and positive, others completely out of control uh, around the country. But, but it was it, definitely a movement, right? Well, it really did spark something, I think, is a, is a good way to put it. And so as we reflect back and look uh, a year on, have things gotten any better? Are they the same? Have they gotten worse? Joining us right now is Pastor Corey Brooks uh, to help us uh, understand a little bit more, certainly coming from from your community and your perspective, Pastor Brooks. First off, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, can you point to any positive change that has happened since the death of George Floyd, since what we all saw a year ago? Are there positive things we can point to? I think the, the the first thing is that more people have become aware of certain officers who um, have these certain characteristics that do certain things in our community, not just in our community, but uh, in other communities as well, that they, that they should not. I think a lot of people were blind to that. Um, for the most part, uh, most police officers are great guys and, and women who do a great job serving their community, but there are um, a small group of individuals who who need to be removed from office uh, serving. And so I think that awareness is a good thing. I think a lot of people were just totally unaware. And do you feel that your community, Pastor Brooks, is like more, feels more empowered now, or is there still a, a level of fear? I think, I think both are true. I think, one, um, there are individuals who feel a little bit more empowered um, there seems to be a little bit more accountability, uh, especially with CBD, uh, our Chicago Police Department. Uh, I know they're trying to get more community involvement. Um, they're trying to be more accountable more and have more um, visibility about what's going on. 
So I think that's a good thing. However, I think there are a lot of people who still operate in a lot of fear. As you can see, um, not just in Chicago, but across all the cities, uh, major cities in America, uh, violence is going up, murder is going up, crime is going up. So, you know, it's still a tough time. Yeah, and I think that's a concern for a lot of folks that uh, this, for a variety of reasons, this specific death really struck a chord. I know we've had other instances, sadly, in the past. There have been other videos, there have been other trials, etc. But this one really, really struck a chord. Why do you think the death of George Floyd was such a seminal moment? Why did this specifically set all these wheels in motion? I think, you know, everyone was able to see the devastation of of that, what happened for nine minutes. uh, I think everyone could agree that that's a little too much, not a little too much, a lot too much. And then I think, I I think um, everybody seeing that um, caused such an uproar. And I think so many people came together to to speak against it. Um, The only thing bad about the situation is that uh, it has driven us, I think further apart in America as it relates to um, racial divides, um, political divides, people are taking sides. And that's the only thing, that's the only thing damaging I I see from this whole situation going on right now. As uh, every day I'm looking at Twitter, I'm looking at the news, I'm seeing what's going on. I'm listening to people in the community and there seems to be a real big divide. Like a divide just going forward or Certainly, you would think yeah, that not think, with think, what happened. Yeah, I, no, no, no. I think everybody wants to go forward, but it's how we go forward. You, know, you got a large amount of people on one side saying abolish the police. Then you have people saying no, reform the police. And then you say, then you have some who don't want to touch the police at all. And then you have some who want to take money from the police and give it to social services and things of that sort. Those are big arguments, and, sure. and there's a lot of people who are taking sides. And and I think that's the only thing that. Um, bothers me right now that there's so much division. I'm wondering how can we go forward and how do we go forward? And I think we have to, we need to, but we got to figure out a way to compromise and, and all of us go forward together. And just, just for the record, you have gone on the record before saying you do not agree with that sentiment of abolishing the police. Never, ever. I think anyone who talks about abolishing the police, all they need to do is come stay with me for a week on the south side of Chicago, and they'll change their mind real quick. And when people on the south side of Chicago, uh, especially some of our younger activists, talk about you need to abolish the police, I'm wondering what are, where do they live, what are they listening to, because um, there's a lot of rampant, unharnessed wickedness, that I call it, uh, in, in, in impoverished areas, and, and a lot of individuals who are committing crimes, and and we need to have the police, but we need police who are reformed. We need police who are trained. We need police who are not just coming to be in our community when crimes happen. We need police to become a part of our community. And I think that's the one of the ways that we can move forward. But we definitely never, ever should abolish the police. And I'm definitely not uh, for committing to cutting their budget either. Pastor Brooks, thank you once again for your time and uh, for your perspective. We sincerely appreciate it. Thank you, and I appreciate uh, allowing me having on the show. He's Pastor Corey Brooks, the senior pastor at the New Beginnings Church of Chicago, uh, and and you hear it pretty loud and clear. It strikes me. I I, I thought this was interesting because I would say here's where I, I I certainly can agree with Pastor Brooks. I think he nailed it. Almost everyone agrees there needs to be some sort of change. That's about where the agreement ends, mm. because how 
who yeah. and where to change. You you have people that are, I don't think it's unfair to say, on opposite sides right. of that. Uh, we need less police. We need more police. That's two different positions trying to deal with the same problem. You right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I think everyone agrees it's a problem. Nobody but- agrees on the solution. Yeah. And, 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 you know, when, when will that, until you can get to that point, would anything fundamentally change? Hey, good morning, Bruce, Judy, and Cheese with you. Um, the news yesterday, breaking Father Flager, uh, cleared of wrongdoing by the archdiocese. Um, Judy, they used to, I don't know. Was it interesting language they used in their their release? Um, I, I don't. I don't know that I would even harp on any of those words. I mean, yeah, the Chicago Archdiocese says that uh, the Reverend Michael Flager is um, cleared of these sexual abuse allegations that were made by two brothers and a third person, uh, supposedly, which took place in um, about forty years ago. Yeah, qu- quite some time ago. Well, I always say that they they, they said insufficient reason to suspect. Not that there was no reason. There was just insufficient reason. Right. Does that mean they're open to more evidence coming forward? I don't know. I, I don't know how to read into that. Hmm. Father Flager got a chance to speak yesterday. Well, there you have it. Yeah, but everybody has like a qualifier for it. This is the... Uh, uh, this is the strongest we can do it under our guidelines. Under the rules of regulation. Like everything has a qualifier. Like I'm, I'm trying to read between the lines. Well, I think because it's the subject matter, right? I mean, they say, they say it happened. The, the, they, can't, the, 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 they don't have enough proof that it happened. Right. Or any proof. We don't know. Right. So, but, but you still have these people saying, but it happened. So it's, an, it's not so black and white, right? There's always this gray area, and I think the church is being careful in what they say. Well, it just comes down to whose word do you do you take, yeah. right? I mean, if 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 it happened, what, 1981 is the, what I think what they said, roughly the time yeah, at frame. At a different parish, not St. Sabina's, at another parish in Glenview. Yeah. And there's no physical evidence, there's no surveillance video, yeah. you know. Well, the statute of limitations is done, it can't be a you, criminal what case. You, what is your... Mm-hmm. Which one do you choose to believe? I didn't do it. Yes, he did. Okay. Many times in these cases, there are multiple victims, and I mean more than three. Mm-hmm. In this case, there were three. Um, not that there, not that there haven't been cases where, where there have been one. There's been one allegation, and, and the priest has gone down. But you know, generally, you don't just do it one time, right? This rose to the level that even Mayor Lightfoot chimed in. Well, maybe, and you know, not to split hairs, but this wasn't a police investigation this wasn't a criminal investigation it was an investigation conducted by the archdiocese themselves conducted internally for lack of better terms to whatever standard they hold themselves to and i think because of that there's always going to be people that might look at it and go well i've i've heard the church tell me before that nothing happened Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, i mean just saying and and i'm not here to pass guilt or innocence on father flager well, we didn't I admit see the that evidence. I don't know. Yeah, we don't know the evidence. There's that group SNAP, Survivors What's... Network of Those Abused by Priests. Abused by priests. Oh. Yeah, um, I'm sure they they are saying, yeah, we've heard this before from the church. Mm-hmm. Nothing, no allegations, nothing found. I mean, yeah, it's just going to it's gonna be what you want to believe, I guess. Will, will that's Father, what we're left with. Will Father Flager, will this be part of his story moving forward? Will, will this come up? I don't think up? so. You don't he, think he has so? He so much on his plate. 
I mean, right off the bat, he comes out. I, you know, he just described how he felt, which it's true. He is a man. He's a priest. He's also a man. But he went right to, all right, we let's get going. This gun violence is out of control. And that is what Father Flager does. He is a community activist mm-hmm. as much as he is a priest. And he has overwhelming support of his yeah. his parishioners, mm-hmm. right? I mean, uh, I haven't seen any evidence that they were swayed or uh, concerned or believed any of these allegations right. against them because none of it fits the image they yeah, have the profile, or the, or the right? relationship yeah. that they have with father. He's Flake. a guy who walks the walk. He doesn't just talk okay. the talk. So, I mean that it'll see, we'll see how that plays into it with these allegations, but, and he's already said he's praying for the, the, the people who, the people accused who him. Accused yeah. Him. I mean, yeah. you know, when you're, when you're in the service of God, I, I have to think that sticks and stones don't bother you as much. I mean, you're right. There are, there, there might be something hanging over him. Always that little, well, did he do it? But I think being a priest, you know, he's probably pretty strong you're in probably, his faith. You're, and you're probably versed in forgiveness. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, forgiveness right? and on in, some level, yeah, right? and in, you know, you have God on your side, apparently. So, well, uh, you know, it continues, heads back to it. You know, we, we, oh my God, how long ago was it? Month, month and a half, two months yeah, ago? Yeah, about two months ago. We spoke to the attorney for one of the accusers. We're going to try to get him on. Can we do that tomorrow? Get him on tomorrow, yeah. Okay, so we're going to we want to talk to him and kind of get um, his reaction to to this, and maybe learn some more about any next steps they might be taking, or will this just just go away? Yeah. We'll uh, keep you up to up to speed on that. Joining us right now is Rohini Day, the owner of Vermilion. First off, good morning, Rohini. Hello, Bruce, Judy. Terrific to be here with you. Great to be with you as well. So if I understand Rohini correctly, it is a combination of Indian and Latin American cuisine. I'm going to acknowledge I don't think I've heard of those two things put together before. What does that look like and taste like at Vermilion? Ah, you want me to go to the dishes first or the history of why the Indian Latin? Yeah, tell me, tell me where does Indian and Latin come from? Okay, so a little bit of a history primer. If you think of the most ancient civilizations on Earth, the first four would be in Asia and Latin America. Mm-hmm. This is in the Indus civilization, Mayan. And our cultures have a tremendous amount of commonalities, whether it's historical cross flows, whether it's you know, the Portuguese in India and Brazil, or the fact that if you go into a Mexican marketplace, it's almost like a spitting image of India. You'll see a plethora of mango, guava, tamarind, lychee, you know, plantain, name it. A lot of commonalities. But I'm glad you've never heard of Indian Latin before because that was the intent to be provocative. I am personally sick of everything being fused with French. <laughs> and my goal was to do anything that was non-Eurocentric here, here. to celebrate the other cuisines of the world. So it, it, coming during Asian month, this is fabulous. Yeah. And to translate it into dishes, think of something like the lobster Portuguese. Okay. You know, the Portu- Portuguese were on Indian shores for 400 years, too long before we pushed them out. Colonialism. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and they were in Brazil. Same reasons, but you meld the two, and you have this amazing dish. Which, by the way, was number one worldwide by USA Today when we opened. Wow! So yeah, so people need to come in for that. Oh, think of the tandoori skirt steak. Absolute blasphemy because no self-respecting 
Hindu or Indian, puri beef. Right. It's considered sacrilege. Right. But take that amazing cut of beef. I mean, Argentina and the rest of the subcontinent is known for beef. Put it in a classic Indian tandoori marinade. Sear it in the Indian tandoor. And it's an amazing dish. And so I can go on, whether it's a mango cardamom flan or Cameron blackened smoked chili ribs. On and on. So that's what the Indian Latin fusion is. Wow. You are passionate about I, it. My I gosh, it. I'm yes. salivating now. But are these are these tastes I've had before? Or is this, if I, when I go to your restaurant, this is going to be something that, because I don't usually go out to eat Indian. Is this going to be something completely new to my taste buds? That's a terrific question. So there's, there's three or four of the, of the comfort dishes that India is known for. You can't but not have a variety of the naan, you know, the breads that they're known for. You can't not have either the butter chicken or chicken tikka masala because you, you, you'll be stomped out of business with irate <laughs> customers. <laughs> so I have a little bit of that, but the rest of it is going to be transformative and life-altering. You've never had anything like my food before. Here, here. We're talking again to uh, uh, Rohini Day, the owner of Vermilion. Uh, and, and tell me a little bit about, and I thought this was interesting because along those lines of, you know, this, this is new. I haven't heard of the melding of these styles, tastes, cultures about your tasting menus. So we have moved away from the rigid chef-curated tasting menu to letting our guests curate their own. Mm-hmm. And so guests can come in and pick any two small, medium desserts, accompaniments to make their own eight-item uh, tasting menu because we strongly believe that too much of fine dining has become highly chef-oriented, rigid, and about yeah. finesse and pretentiousness and snobbishness than about what the guests want. So this is all about bold, substantive, making it fun for you, and putting the power back in your hands. Yeah, so you could have a group of people out for dinner, you have a tasting menu, but you get to choose what's on the tasting menu and try some of these amazing things. That's oh my really gosh, cool. you get so much more food to try, it's fabulous. Now, are you are you open with for inside dining? This is uh, <laughs> the million dollar question for our entire industry, as you well know, Judy, right? Uh, after... After eight months of being open and closed three times last year, we finally reopened for dining maybe two months ago. Tons of restrictions, 25%, 50%, six feet, and we're doing it all. Everything with safety, including the masking. But yes, we're open, including a fabulous patio outside. So yeah, come on in, Chicago. You're here. Nice. Well, th- thank you so much for, for explaining to us, helping us understand a little more about Vermilion and certainly getting everybody excited about it. Rohini Day, best of luck to you, and thank you for spending time with us. Bruce, may I mention Please. we have a supper club this Friday. It's oh. called Let's Talk Women. There are 40 of us women restaurateurs in Chicago that support each other and back each other. This dinner is... Five different cuisines stop in Asia with mine, Indian. There's Mexican, there's Ethiopian, there's French, there's European desserts. All by women restaurateurs available on talk. So those who want to come and experience this unbelievable variety in one night and support women restaurateurs, do come to our supper club and meet us.
the most about. Let's talk women, the monthly supper club and conversation happening. Uh, and it's this Friday, right? This Friday, the deadline to buy tickets is tomorrow. Nope. Ooh. All right. Let's get on that. Okay. <laughs> Come on, folks. Work with me here. Uh, thank you again so much. Vermilion, the the vermilionrestaurant.com is the website you can go to and learn more. And when uh, someone says supper club to me, it's like saying I love you. <laughs> supper club is. Especially when you turn a few cocktails, Judy. Yeah. Oh, yes. And I've been looking at your cocktails online here. Wow. There we go. Yeah. Rohini Day, thank you so much again for your time. And, and, and seriously, we wish you the best of luck. And your, your passion for your restaurant comes through loud and clear. Thank you for having me. Thank Wonderful. You. The owner of Vermilion. She's just there. delightful, right? Isn't oh, she, though? Right? Oh, my goodness. But I, you know, I admit, you know, that's kind of, you know, the, the com- combination. Indian and Latin American cuisines. I hadn't thought of them as being similar, right. but you know when you describe things like the street markets and things, you're know, like, well, the history okay, of I'll it. Start seeing yeah. a little bit of the comparison. I start getting that a little bit. So outstanding. Vermilion is the name of the restaurant, and we think of uh, uh, Rohini Day. Hey, good morning. Happy Tuesday. It's Bruce. It's Judy. It's Cheese. Are you th- are you thinking of, uh, of taking a trip? What would be better? Then uh, jumping on an airplane and flying away to a magical destination than if the trip, at least airline tickets, were free. Well, oh, man. guess what, folks? You could be in the running because United Airlines wants to reward you. Might be a nice way to put it if you've already gotten vaccinated. Yeah, so you can enter a contest to get a year's free of trips, something like 26 round 26 round trips. trips yeah, but then they're also giving away 50 more round trip tickets i'll take that yeah i'll take one of those because you're not going to fly 26 times round trips Uh, if i win i am oh Oh, you can bet your yeah right i'll be renegotiating my vacation here you say that and i just came off of a stretch where i flew nine weekends in a row yeah but you a lot of those you had to i used to think that would be cool to do my my thoughts and prayers to those uh, uh, business people that ha- yeah. that have to travel every single week. I mean, I got to where I was like, I don't want to go to the airport. Oh, I didn't want to go back. Yeah. Yeah. And think it, about that. And the airport was pretty nice in terms of not so crowded now. pretty packed now. Yeah. Wait till the summer. So al- along those lines, if you haven't started making your summer vacation plans, if you don't have the flights booked, if you don't have the hotel or the resort set aside, you might be in for some sticker shock. That might be a nice way to put it. Judy. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, um, so the number of people traveling again is spiking. So Go are the, the prices. Yeah. Airline tickets, hotels. Okay. So now you say to yourself, well, then I'll just, instead of flying, I'll just drive. Just drive. Oh, good luck with the gas prices. They're going to continue. And it to doesn't go. matter where you're driving to when you get there. It's going to cost you. Yeah. Hotels. Everything it's just everything's more expensive. There's all this pent up uh, demand. Va- yeah, but uh, people delayed vacations. Right. Mm. They didn't go somewhere. Maybe they set that money aside, or maybe they're just like, you know what? We have done without yeah. for long enough. Mm-hmm. And Not I think anymore. a lot of folks. Well, and, and here's so here's something I noticed because because if I have to go somewhere, I have to go. Whatever the price of the ticket is, is the price of the ticket. I may not like it, but I gotta go. Flights are packed. I, I don't think I've had an empty seat on an airplane. They've been offering, you know, 250 bucks to get off the plane and give up your seat and $500 and stuff in a hotel. And so Flights are packed. 
I think there's a threshold for a lot of folks. Well, I'll go, but I'm not spending more than 200 right. bucks on a ticket. After the year they've been through, <laughs> now it's like, well, I'll go and I'll spend anything they damn well exactly. want on a ticket. You know, whatever it is is what it is. I will bite the bullet and put up with it. Same I, goes I just, for hotels yeah. and rental cars right. and whatever. The, the price is the price right now, and people are so because they're going to find out. They're going to they're going to do their homework and they're going to be like, oh, I can get a better deal than that. No, you can't. So then they're going to come circle back and say, all right, you know what? You got me. I got to still go. You got me. You I got just me. looked up Chicago to Atlanta. It wasn't that bad, the airfare, Bruce. I yep. mean, it was a six-hour flight. What do you mean? I mean, three so six hours. hours if you want to get the even the decent airfare, which was, I don't know, three-something, is six hours. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Lay over here, lay over there. I think are, you, are you flying I think to you, Seattle? No. How you, are you fly, I think you circle around Atlanta. You come back to Chicago. You stay in Chicago for an hour. You get back on a plane. I, it was. Yeah. It was ridiculous. I've had those friends before, and and and, and listen. I mean, it does get to some point of what's your time worth, you know, and, mm-hmm. and how do you value your time? Because I've had those friends that have taught me about the trip or whatever. You go, yeah, yeah, I'm flying. Uh, yeah, I'm going from uh, Chicago to Miami. Oh, okay, that's cool. He goes. I'm good. It's going to take about 11 hours. How are you doing that? <laughs> going through Denver. And I'm like, I go, have you seen a map of the United yeah. States? Can I point out that Denver is nowhere on the way to Miami? That's the basic economy seat. Yeah. And uh, you're in the middle seat. Which, by the way, like, good I'm luck like, getting that. And I would say, I don't want to go to Miami that bad. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> that I'm going to sit on the ground in Denver for three hours or something. Well, you know, when I win point. the 26 um, flights, yeah. flights. Yeah, it's going to be different. Yeah, it's going to be fly, different. You have to fly a lot of times if you if you fly just for pleasure. Yeah, it's a lot more. It's a great experience. So I'm I'm getting screwed eight ways from Sunday this weekend. It's Memorial Day weekend. Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah. So They're here's flying, you ready you? for? I'm doing planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh, I am flying to Arizona, and I'm paying twice as much as I paid for a flight just a couple months ago. Well, it is a holiday weekend. Then I'm driving back to Chicago. I'm finally going to bring. Oh, that's bring right. My car, yeah. I'm going to bring my car to Chicago. So then I'm going to pay the gas prices. Yes. Also, I'm going to get a little bit, and I'll probably have to stay uh, at a hotel along the way. And they're going to, you know, the, they're going to rape you there. The yeah. Super Eight <laughs> is going to charge me 190 bucks a night or something, you know, in Amarillo, Texas. You bastards! Ah, I love oh, it. Oh yeah. That's well, but bad. thank goodness you have a car because if you had to rent one, well, you'd be. Still, I can't afford to rent. Yeah, a car. next week you would still be in Phoenix. Exactly. Okay, so and I'm not I'm not saying this to brag cuz this is not I'm ashamed. I have I have an event that I am hosting in Napa. Sounds nice. I don't drink wine, so it doesn't matter to me. It's still beautiful there though. I have to fly into San Francisco. Yeah. Okay. I have to rent a car. I count it up for 37 hours. Anyone take a guess? Let's go. Uh, 37 hours. Day and a half. Four fifty. Okay, wow, that was more than I thought. No, I'm paying a hundred and ninety dollars for a rental car for a day and a half. That's obscene. Yeah, I'm not. Even, I'm not. Yeah, I, like used, I used, used to play twenty nine dollars a day, yeah. thirty nine bucks oh, a day. Oh, those Unlimited days are money. over. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to find out traveling is going to get a little bit. But pricey. now let's not, let's be positive for all of our We're listeners who are they're taking trips. No, you guys go for it. It'll be fun. Ka-ching, ka-ching. Just have a lot of cash on hand. There is that. Yeah. We I think, I think there's going to be people that look at this and might be looking to take some vacations a little closer to home, right? Here's the thing, though. Right during the pandemic, I've said ways. this. I am so much more agreeable. 
people mess up my order. I'm like, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. You know what I mean? Because you're just, I think we have more patience. So I think we're good. No matter what happens this summer, we're going to all take trips. Yeah. It's all going to yeah, be we'll good. Routed to Denver, Don't ruin it for me. Albuquerque, and then yeah. when I take my six-hour trip to Atlanta, yep. I'm going to land and I'm going to be happy. You can almost drive to Atlanta in six hours. Drive in six hours. It might be one of the reasons why you think we're going to hell in a handbasket. Judy says she can restore your faith in humanity. How about a special delivery from Tampa to Puerto Rico? To save a toad species from extinction. That's right. That species is now critically endangered. But Zoo Tampa contributed to the survival by sending thousands of recently hatched tadpoles to help restore the population on that native island. Now from careful habitat temperature control that simulates the island's rainy season to playing the berry white version of toad mating calls, (laughs) several important steps are taken to ensure that those toads... (laughs) Produced fertile eggs. Now they are quickly counted and packed into protective shipping boxes filled with oxygen to keep them healthy and safe on their journey to their homeland, where biologists will release them into protected managed ponds. Soon they'll be hearing chirps of joy from both toads and humans <laughs> on the island of enchantment. Wow. I like the berry white toad calls. <laughs> Everyone needs a little berry white to reproduce. Berry white of toads. Frogs, All right. wow. Thank you for restoring our faith in humanity, Judy. Yes. <laughs> Bringing it back around to the toads. We appreciate your uh, uh, your input into that. I hey, dated a couple, so I needed Barry White. Oh, you know, we also uh, appreciate the work that MG and the Posse do over there in Mission Control. Uh, DJ Cheese working the ones and twos all morning. Thank you, sir. And uh, Nick Gale, who'll continue to deliver like he does news, traffic, weather, information. Dare I say everything you need to know? Nick puts it together, and you're going to get it next right here on 890 WLS.